welcome to another edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Wednesday, March the 25th, 2020. And here we are. Well, well, well. First, a quick news headline or two. The Senate has reached a deal. The Senate and the White House has reached a deal on a bill that will offer relief to all the sectors of the economy, including those of us who are the backbone of the economy. Two trillion dollar package overall. Is that enough? I, well, I'd I'd contend that it's a start, but really not even close to where we need to be. And, you know, I think that around 250,000 of it or so is going to go to unemployment benefits. I think 250,000 or 150,000 of it is going to go to, um, you know, I, I, geez, I, I got to It's just crap. I mean, I don't think this is enough, people. I just do not think that this is enough. Let me get the figures exact so I don't get these things wrong. One hundred and fifty billion for local and state governments. One hundred and thirty billion for hospitals. Two hundred and fifty billion unemployment benefits. Two hundred and fifty billion in direct payments to individuals and families. So that's you and me. 350 billion small business loans. 500 billion fund for distressed industries with oversight. You know what that means, don't you? The 500 billion fund for distressed industries with oversight. (laughs) Forgive me for laughing because it really isn't funny. Reading that with a third eye. That is big business. Big business is getting half a trillion dollars or 25% of the total stimulus package. That's what's happening. Big business is getting big buku dollars. And I'm not sure that they should be. And I I think this is reminiscent of what happened in 2008 with this whole bank bailout. Hank Paulson comes up to you with his his hands out. You know, Hank Paulson, the uh, former head of, uh, I think, Lehman Brothers, was it? Or Goldman Sachs, I forget which. And he he comes up to to the hill, to Capitol Hill, with his hands out. This is the U.S. Treasury Secretary. Under George W. Bush, people have already forgotten this. He came up to the hill with his hands out, begging, save us, save me, save me, save us. It was just really ridiculous, quite frankly. And he, he, he came up to the hill with his hands out. And Congress was looking at this and the American public was saying, hell no. We're going to call our congressmen and women. And we're going to say no to this. And 
at the time, I think it was Nancy Pelosi who was the Speaker of the House back then. I believe, before she lost the speakership, I think in 2010. Um, I don't remember. But the point is, is that in 2008, the American public made so many phone calls that the constituents in the House had no choice. And they voted this thing down. And then about three weeks later, two and a half weeks later, when the American public was distracted by something, the House had another vote and they absolutely said, okay, we're going to give you what you want. You can't hold us hostage anymore. Here, here, here's your money. And we see what happened. We see what that was, right? We see the effect of that bailout. Sex parties at AIG, you know, people uh, going and having... uh, I mean, come on, come on, folks. So that's my um, my reaction to that piece of news, early news that came through very early today. There is a deal. It will be enacted shortly. This $2 trillion package, it is um, termed as the largest ever, I believe. And I think in in real world numbers, that would be true because I'm looking at things like the New Deal, both New Deals, because there was two of them, remember, one in, I believe, 33, one of them in 1935, the second New Deal. And neither of those, if you even adjust them to real world dollars right now, come up to anywhere near $2 trillion. Obviously, the economic realities were very, very stark and very, very different. Um, from then, but the potential, and, and I mean that in terms of inflation, not just about um, the Depression era, but we are, speaking of the Depression era, we're, we're getting back to that. And I tweeted something uh, on my Twitter account at the popcorn R-E-E-L last week or the week before saying, you know, I honestly think that we are heading to a Great Depression. That's where I think we're going to end up. And I said, I'm sorry to tweet this. Because, but I think that's what we're going to. And I think we are going there. It's become more and more clear now that that's happening. And so this package of $2 trillion is going to be enacted soon. I think it should be more, quite frankly, than this. I think that payments to individuals and families should be more than the, what was it, $250 billion that it is. Or one hundred, whatever the price, and hospitals should be getting more than one hundred and fifty billion. Come on, come on. Hospitals need, hospitals should be the ones getting five hundred billion, not the banks, not the big businesses. I mean, that shows you literally how millionaires in the Senate, millionaires in the White House are putting big business, big corporations, big banks ahead of human beings and their lives. That's what we're really looking at. If you if you read that with a, th- if you think about that and listen with a third ear to those numbers that I read out, that's exactly what is happening here. And all this strong arming in uh, Congress, in Senate by McConnell, oh, the American people can't wait. No, 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 Mitch. Mitch McConnell, that's what he said. No, you're billionaire donors can't wait anymore. They're getting exasperated. They're calling you up, Mitch. 
I mean, that's why these Republicans were screaming and hollering on Monday and on Tuesday. Especially on Monday. John Barrasso, the, the Republican out of uh, Wyoming, getting up there shouting. Rob Portman, Senator out of Ohio, Republican, doing the same thing. And Mitch McConnell as well, Republican out of Kentucky. May he lose his job this November. I mean, this is, this is what this has come to. Their donors have been shouting at them. And then they're shouting and barking at the rest of us. It's, it's pretty obscene, actually. Good grief. Oh, boy. I mean, and, and you know, that brings me... <laughs> just, you know, this is just... I, I mean... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 can, you, can you really... Will you benefit from this package? I mean, if you're listening to this right now, I, I mean, come on now. I mean, I'm sure you will. There isn't any detail that I've heard about how many payments that people are going to be getting. And I'm, I'm going to have to look at that because I literally just found this out before I started um, recording today. I mean, I really literally just found this out. So I will... You know, I need to navigate that a bit more, to be quite frank. In terms of whether there's any detail. Because the devil is always in the details. The Politocrat is brought to you by the great people at Anchor. Anchor is such a great place to go if you want to get started in podcasting. And it's easy and it's free anchor marvelous stuff marvelous and i'm so grateful to the folks at anchor for getting me going with the politocrat if you want to get going and be heard on apple on spotify and everywhere podcasts can be download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started the police with when the world is running down you make the best of what's still around that's from the Zenyatta Mondata album one of their most popular albums the police from back in the early 1980s or was that the late 70s I forget I think it's the early 1980s not sure I I remember the album I mean I've I was around when that album was out and old uh, certainly old enough to remember the album I just don't remember the year but anyway that song I play not by accident. 
we have to learn to make the best of what we've got here in these trying times. Lifting our spirits is difficult because our situations are different and some are more difficult and different situations than others. So I, I don't want to sound like some privileged old doddy talking to you about um, putting a smile on your face. Put on a happy face. That's not what I'm trying to say. It, I think it is important to have uh, optimism here about getting through this, although a lot of people can't see through to the next day. So what does that make me talking about that? It's very easy to say you can be optimistic when you are actually doing pretty darn well or you are fairly comfortable in your position financially, economically, whatever, you know, or, you know, you it's easy. So that's something that I think myself, as well as anyone else, we all have to kind of weigh those words, I think. We just have to be, I think my thing is, we just have to be more compassionate, more loving, more considerate of each other. And care about each other more. I've said that a lot. And I believe in that. I really do. Now you have. Five minutes to decide. Your money. Or your life. Hello. Thank you for listening to the Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore, and I am just very appreciative of you for listening to this podcast. And it's just something that I truly appreciate. And you know what else and who else I appreciate? Anchor. Anchor were really the people that got me started and started on this audio cast here. I am so thankful to them. And I think you'll be very pleased with them too and very thankful for them if you started your own podcast on Anchor. Anchor is everything to get you started for free. You have opportunities to excel, to get your name out there. And I tell you, the best and quickest way to do that is go and download the Anchor app or go over to anchor.fm. You'll be glad you did. Actually, no, 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 no. You have two minutes to decide. Your money or your grandma's life or your grandpa's life. Would you actually engage in making those kinds of choices? Would you? Horribly crude, isn't it? Right? That kind of... Uh, I mean, this isn't even Sophie's choice, is it? I mean, I would hope that people would make the decision to preserve the life of their grandmother or grandfather. 
And quite frankly, that shouldn't have to depend on anything. It shouldn't have to depend on whether that person has an ailment or not. Should it? Quite frankly, and I know people make these kinds of calculations in life because they are very real-world situations that individuals have. These are, there's some very real-world calculations that get made. And those are some serious realities. People have to look at taking people off of life support, respirators. I mean, look at what's going on now. I guess what I'm trying to get at here is, I just think this whole conversation, and the New York Times wrote about this. There was an opinion uh, article from just yesterday. And it is by Spencer Bocat Lindell, an opinion column in the Times from yesterday. Is this the title? Is this really the best way to fight coronavirus? And the subtitle, I get it. He didn't write the title or subtitle. Forced to make the impossible choice between wealth and health, we could end up with neither. Now that's someone writing, that's a headline writer and a subtitle writer. But... The article goes on to discuss, um, you know, some of these folks who are in it just responding to some points that are being made and issues that are being posited. You have uh, doctors here um, and professors and academic, other academics, Wall Street Journal's editorial board. I'm just reading through some of these individuals who are, you know, in this and the majority of them are well off. I mean, I'm making that assumption, but I think it's very clear. If you are an epidemiologist at Stanford University out here in California, in Northern California, it's a fair bet that you are making a pretty damn good amount of money. And I'm looking at another person here, a Harvard epidemiology professor. And he weighs in. And some other people weigh in. These folks are well off, is my point. And I'm, I'm by well off, I'm talking people making in the high six figures. I'm not talking someone making necessarily $100,000 a year. I mean, I don't even think $100,000 a year is that much. Depending on where you are in the country, it might be. In America, that might be. But I don't think $100,000 a year is very much anywhere. And these folks, I assume, I don't know for a fact, are probably making a whole lot more than $100,000 a year. And yet they're having this conversation somewhat in an echo chamber about, well, do we pick, do we pick between the economy and public health? And it's a completely bogus conversation. It's a conversation that has no point to it, really. It's this ridiculous false equivalency false discussion, or as Ezra Klein says, someone who wasn't invited into the discussion, by the way, but his tweet was included. You know, Ezra Klein is a uh, good guy, one of the good guys out there who has a book out 
recently, and I forget the title either because I'd plug it for him, not that he needs my help, but Ezra Klein, who's on Twitter, E-Z-R-A Klein, as it sounds and as it is spelled, common spelling. In his tweet, says, it is a horrifying absence of political imagination to prefer letting millions die to, say, trying to trying an appropriately sized basic income and mobilizing the economy to surge health resources to th- for three to six damn months. Our choices are not mass economic deprivation or mass death. And I totally agree with Ezra Klein. And that's a point that I was actually should have made earlier. But, but I mean, it's ridiculous. This conversation that's been having, that's been been airing in the corporate news media, and I did catch a bit of this, is repulsive. And it reflects this psychopathic genesis, this psychopathic state that we're living in, and the psychopathic elements of what? Of capitalism. That's really what the bottom line is. And so I began this segment with that crude intonation of, well, you know, your money or your life, your money or your grandma's life or your grandpa's life. I mean, this is the kind of argument that sociopaths have. This is the kind of argument that psychopaths have. That's why Donald Trump is saying, go back to work in two weeks, three weeks. He doesn't mind a few more million Americans dying? Come on, what's a, few, what's a few million people dying? Hey, you know, he's already killed, basically been responsible for the deaths of 3,000 Americans. In Puerto Rico. I mean, after all, Puerto Ricans are Americans. Even more than that, they're human beings like all of us are. We're all human beings. And this is the same guy who in 2008, I guess it was around September 2008 or so, hailed the deaths of nearly 3,000 people as an unsung success. Oh, I think we did a really good job. Yeah, we did a great job. And you know, I think that it was just a a really marvelous job we did. And, uh, you know, it was just an unsung success. And that's what I'm talking about. This guy has already been responsible. His inaction in Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria, where he started throwing paper towels at people. You want to talk about a reality TV moment. Everything about this guy is this psychopathic reality TV. No, here's your towels. I think we did a great job. And, um, yeah, Easter, I want the churches to be packed. Packed churches. Now, my impression of him is not good anyway, but maybe it shouldn't be. So, come on, folks. I think you're in trouble in this country, or in any country, when the conversation is set around, do we kill millions of Americans, regardless of their age? Or do we have an economy that continues to tank. Well, first of all, that conversation shouldn't even be part of the conversation. That's why I'm, that New York Times opinion piece is 
Why is the, you know, that's what capitalists do. That's what the wealthiest people do, the psychopathic wealthy. Because not everybody who is wealthy is a psychopath or a sociopath. But the system of capitalism is inherently sociopathic and inherently psychopathic. There's a great documentary from years back called The Corporation, which which deals with this whole thing. And I recommend it. It's about a two hour or so or even longer documentary. Alex Gibney was one of the people involved in it. And Alex Gibney's done some great documentary work over the years dealing with these kinds of issues as well and others. But this film, The Corporation, you have to watch. And it gets into this kind of conversation. And this is the kind of thing that you see in the corporate news media or in the New York Times or any other paper. This kind of false discussion, this kind of really disgusting and evil conversation about, well, we're going to get rid of the older population. This is eugenics. This is Hitler-esque. This is the kind of thing that Hitler talked about. We need to get rid of those those gypsies and those old people, the infirm and elderly. And nobody's bringing that up. I mean, this is exactly what Hitler talked about. These Nazis talked about the elderly and the infirm. They would march off older Jewish people and they were deemed surplus to requirements. And what really gets me, but doesn't surprise me, is that in these kinds of ridiculously false and disgusting conversations about, well, should we just get rid of the, uh, get rid of these older folks, they're a drag, and you've got people like Lieutenant Governor of Texas, Dan Abrams, or whatever, Dan, Dan Patrick, or whatever his name is, I think it's Dan Patrick, being a jackass openly going on Fox News and all these other platforms declaring, or Fox News, de- declaring, yeah, we know we, I'll die for the economy. Shut up. Shut up. You got Glenn Beck and all these right-wingers. I mean, this is the kind of sociopathic, psychopathic behavior that you've got. And these kinds of conversations only happen in societies that have capitalism running wild in them, these sociopathic, psychopathic systems. That's what capitalism is. Oh, but socialism, oh, we can't have that. Ooh, ooh, I'm scared. You know, Cuba has put doctors in Italy, in Spain, in other places. And they're they're doing that now as I speak. They are in Italy, they are in Spain. The really the epicenters in Europe of this horrible virus. Where the numbers keep climbing, Spain now is I believe the second most, the place where the second most amount of people have died so far. Italy is number one on that list. And Cuban doctors have, for many years now, saved lives and risked their own lives. Helping and saving the lives of others. And you've got people like Anderson Cooper, 
just a week or two ago, maybe two and a half weeks ago now, going at Bernie. Oh, oh my gosh, how can you say something good about Fidel Castro? Oh my goodness me. Oh my God, you know. I mean, my goodness, great. You see, that's that's the kind of sick kind of conversation, isn't it? Oh, he says something good about a dictator. And the only thing that Bernie was saying, Bernie Sanders I'm talking about, was that under Castro, the health care was very good, which it was and still is. And the education system is much better there than it is in America. The healthcare system is definitely much better there than it is here in America. That's all Bernie was saying. Oh my goodness, you praised, you praised Castro. And this is the kind of garbage that people run with. Voters who don't know the history get spooked by, and then they go vote for Joe Biden, who, quite frankly, right now, can't even string a sentence together. I've said that it's basically time for Bernie to consider his options. I said that last week in one of the editions of The Politocrat. But I think it is increasingly clear that one of the reasons Bernie is still in the race is because nobody on the Democratic side right now is pushing the issues that affect, quite frankly, most 99 percenters, 99 percent of the country. Joe Biden is stumbling around and oh, he was on he was on Nicole Wallace yesterday. Stumbling and bumbling around like a, I mean, it was embarrassing. I, I really am tempted to play it to you. I'm tempted. Very tempted indeed. I am. I mean, it's just embarrassing. Honestly. In fact, I'm going to play it. In just a moment. Welcome back to the Politocrat. Well, I, I'm promising you this. Here it is, Joe Biden. It's about 25 seconds. Joe Biden on Nicole Wallace on MSNBC. This was yesterday. Should be... We should be making those masks. We should be moving on those ventilators. We can do that. Why doesn't he just act like a president? That's a stupid way to say it. You know, Donald Trump was asked. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, probably best I don't. Maybe it is probably best that you do not, Joe. I just think that he has already made at least five campaign ads for Donald Trump. I I mean, (laughs) oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Can you imagine? Oh boy. Oh. This is one of the reasons why Bernie is staying in the race. 
Bernie Sanders, by the way, is is campaigning uh, virtually. He had another forum yesterday. Um, he had um, doctors. Um, one of his uh, supporters, I forget his name now, from from Michigan, um, Abu Saeed. I forget his Abdul Saeed. Um, one of the doctors. He's a doctor. Um, he ran for office himself in Michigan, and he had uh, Premier Jayapal, the congresswoman out of uh, Washington State. Um, you know, there were num- numerous others. He's been doing this on an almost daily basis. And that's why Bernie Sanders, one of the reasons he is staying in. It's not quite over yet. And look, I've said previously that this thing is pretty much done. And it pretty much is. Will voters start to change their minds now? Now that this coronavirus situation is really come to a head and it's going to get worse. And we have this economic package. What will voters do? To the extent that they can even vote now. We need vote by mail. They've already got politicians out there. Oh no, Republicans, I might add. No surprise. Oh, we can't have vote by mail for November. That would be a desecration of the country as we know it. Oh, okay, whatever. Right. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. By the way, here's the I want to get back to this. This this psych this psychopathy, this so sociopathic and psychopathic way that we have these conversations. Now, while Joe Biden is talking there in split screen to Nicole Wallace, who, by the way, is was Bush's communication, White House communications director. Um, may have may have been at one point a press secretary from two, um, certainly is White House communications director for sure. George W. Bush, that is, if I didn't say that. And she also is responsible for bringing us Sarah Palin, by the way. So, I mean, she's a neocon. Certainly was was in that world for a long time. And uh, MSNBC, and look, I don't watch them, and I've had, I have a huge problem with MSNBC because of what it's done over the last few years has gone far to the right, has gone much more to the right. It's this centrist slash right-wing channel now. Corporate, corporate centrism. And, um, you know, Joe Biden represents that. And on this screen, I mean, you can't see this as I'm talking, but on the screen, as I played it, you will see on the screen to the right of Joe Biden is a graphic coronavirus pandemic. It has total number of confirmed cases. I'm not going to read this out. It, it gives the worldwide number. Then it gives the number from the United States. Then below that total deaths, it gives the worldwide number. And then under that, the United States number according to a source, and it names the source, and then directly below that, Market Watch. Dow Jones Industrials, up 11.37%. That's a number I will give out. Dow Jones Index number, 20,704.91. If that is not the most crude juxtaposition of the day, then I don't know what is. And that, quite frankly, underlines the point that I'm making, is that to have these kinds of conversations about money and your life, and this false debate, this insulting debate about, oh, you know, well, these older people over here, we might have to bump them off and let them die, let them die. Because we want the economy to, to run well. 
Well, it wasn't these folks that tanked the economy. It was you lot who made, through your capitalistic choices and the system of capitalism, you made a choice, you made a calculation. You grifted, you stole, just like Mike Pompeo said once. We lied, we cheat, we stole. <laughs> that was Mike Pompeo just under a year ago. I'm not going to bother wasting your time with the audio on that. But that is where we are, people. We are, while there is no conversation about, home, about the homeless and what they do in this situation, there is no conversation at all, virtually none, certainly not on the air. They've seen it in a couple of newspapers about detainees and prisoners who would absolutely spread this virus like a heartbeat. There's been cases and news stories of corrections officers testing positive for this virus and being constantly in close quarters amongst other inmates, detainees. That virus is going to spread. It's a public health concern now. What you should be doing is putting these individuals in health care centers. But of course, you don't want to finance that. But if you want to keep the populations of this country safe, you have to be more humane. And that discussion is being largely ignored in the corporate news media. Surprise, surprise, the corporate news media. I mean, I think that first word should uh, be your clue. So that's the, that's the issue. We need to be talking more about the rest of us and also talking more in addition about the quote-unquote least of us. And if we are to define a society, I mean, we talk about Cuomo getting great marks. Oh, he's doing well, oh, you know, and he is, but he's not released detainees in his state. Gavin Newsom here in California, governor here, has not done that either. You know, we talk about this society that we want, and this virus is absolutely exposing who we are as people, what this system is, what it is geared to, capitalism, because that's what it is, it's a capitalist system. And I don't decry every part of capitalism. People have a right to make money, but they don't have a right to exploit people. And that's what capitalism also does. It exploits people. It, ha it allows for these kinds of ridiculous, false debates. And everybody actually starts to get involved in them. Hmm, you know, the fact that we're even doing that tells you about how psychopathic we are as a society, as a country, as a nation, as a people, and how sociopathic we are as a nation, as a people, as a, as a society. You've got young people running around out here, oh, you know, I'm going to have my spring break. I don't give a rat's ass. And that's part of this too, on, a, on another level. But if we are going to talk about being more caring, more loving, more compassionate, as I go back to that point that I made, if we are going to talk about that, we've got to be about that. 
And it's all well and good to have Governor Andrew Cuomo in New York doing a good job, but not denying that. He's showing leadership where the guy in the White House isn't. We also have to start talking about those people on the margins, those people that we that the media won't talk about, the corporate news media won't talk about. Progressive media will. Amy Goodman at Democracy Now, she'll talk about it. You know, Juan Gonzalez at Democracy Now, he'll talk about it. Nermeen Sheikh of Democracy Now, she'll talk about it. Tom Hartman will talk about that. Randy Rhodes. And then other people that talk about other communities. Black community. Roland Martin, he'll talk about the black community. And, and Joe Madison certainly will, the Black Eagle. We have to really talk about everybody and stop having these absurd debates, quite frankly, about, oh, do we want the economy to be back? Or do we want these people over here to to live? Like, seriously? And there's no introspection. <laughs> no, no discussion about what choices brought us to this place. What economic decision-making done by leadership, by the investors on Wall Street, by the big banks, by the Republican Party, by the corporate wing of the Democratic Party. There's absolutely no discussion of any of that. I mean, that's what's led to this. People living high off the hog, bailouts being given, Democrats voting along with Republicans for them. Now, of course, there were certain Democrats who didn't, Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden did, by the way, vote for it. And maybe that's why his performance with Nicole Wallace, the latest bad performance this time on Nicole Wallace's show, maybe that's why Joe Biden's performance was so poor and lukewarm in that clip and in a speech he gave the day or two before that where he had a big bump on his head, big red mark, and nobody asked any questions. I mean, really, are we hiding this guy in plain sight? Is Joe Biden somebody that they're talking about? I mean, it's, you know, nobody's talking about Joe Biden and, you know, he's up in his age too. I don't think that they're talking about uh, him having to make a sacrifice. I don't want him to. What I want him to do is actually be much more forthright than this. Because if you are the front runner, I think you should act like one and speak like one and lead like one. So if we are to have this caring, compassionate, loving society, if that's what we want to get to, because there's a lot of that now, I suppose, but there's still so much more of it to happen. I mean, you've got paramedics in New York fighting for their lives, 34 years old. I mean... This is the this is the thing that that this is what gets me. It really does. You've got people fighting for their lives, and they're not eighty five years old. This is the false choice that you're 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 being sucked into this ridiculous debate that shouldn't be happening. That only the super rich would dare have because they don't have souls. Some of these people, these folks on Wall Street, don't. 
Markets going up. Oh, talk. And that's what Trump's done. He's talked up the markets and he wants to open this country back up when you've got states all over the country who are in lockdown or in close to that. And for eight weeks, Gavin and Newsom said, it's going to be really hairy, he said. And over the next eight weeks, up to 55%, 56% of California's population, that's about 23 million people could get this. And you've got this madman running around in the White House talking about, oh, in a couple of weeks' time, when Easter comes, we'll, we'll uh, reopen the country. We'll look into it. Come on, folks. Come on, people. Let's let's get real here. Christelle Cadet, she's 34 years old, a paramedic in New York. She's fighting for her life. She was on the front lines. There's so many stories like this. And these folks are not past their prime. And even if they were, we need to be a more humane society. That is what we need to be, especially now, which is why we must stay inside, we must stay indoors, we must stay home, we must get shelter, we must allow detainees to be released and put into facilities that deal with health as well. I mean, this is really, we, you know, and thankfully Colorado became the 22nd state, I believe, in this country to abolish the death penalty. That means still more, that's still 28 states still have it. That should tell you about how humane we are. We executed, well, Alabama did, executed an innocent man two weeks ago, Nathaniel Woods. I mean, these are the kinds of names and the kinds of individuals we should be hearing more about in our discussions now, if we're going to have conversations about any of this. There was a school teacher, a principal in New York City at the Brooklyn Democracy Academy. And I think it's important to mention individuals and, and who they are. We need to know. We need to know. The people need to know that it's not just about these rich fat cats. I mean, someone in Northern Ireland as well, she lost her mother. This school principal in Brooklyn at the Brooklyn Democracy Academy, her name was Dizan Romaine, 36 years old. Coronavirus, just like the lady who's fighting for her life, who's a paramedic, 34 years old, she's fighting for her life. 25-year-old guy, I found this out on Twitter, fighting for his life, he's in a coma, coronavirus. I really would urge people to take this stuff real damn seriously. Carl Anthony Towns, the NBA player, his mother, fighting for her life right now. Ventilator, she's on, you know, this stuff is no joke. Young and old, everybody can get this. Anybody can get this. Everybody can get this. And there's these debates about, oh, well, the economy, oh my gosh, I'll die for, you know, this is all talk to push a, a certain agenda and a base that thinks that people's lives are not as important as money. That's the sociopathic, psychopathic capitalist model. Walt Disney and Disney World, are they, hey, they're opening their doors again soon. What could possibly go wrong? 
We must be better. We must be better on all fronts than this. Can we be? Are we capable of it? If we are going to be that more just, more loving, caring, compassionate society, then we have to start now because this virus is, for lack of a better word, a truth serum that is exposing the truth, the naked truth about the systems that prop all of this up, that prop up billionaires. While the rest of us have to struggle every day just to survive or just to have a semblance of comfort. I mean, that's really what this is. For the same reason that you've got rich people being able to be tested. And I'm not cursing out rich people. They have a right to be tested, but so does everybody else. You know, all of these celebrities and politicians who get tested instantly. Who's got these masks? Apple apparently has 9 million of them. Why? Why haven't those 9 million masks been given to states everywhere? Now, Apple is donating them, I heard. But what's Apple doing with them lying around? I mean, there's so much more to talk about with this. You know, people, you know, you've got rich people buying, you know, you've got senators selling off their stock a month plus ago, a month or so ago or more. These folks all knew about this in January. They all knew. All of these senators knew. How many more people, how many more leaders around the country may have known about it? I'm sure they did. Knew about this. And how many of them decided to cash in on their stock? This is what I'm talking about. These sociopathic choices that get made. And that's what capitalism does. We must become a more equitable society. We have to do this. People are going to lose their lives. They are losing their lives. And I think that these folks who set up this false freaking debate about, well, the economy should, should live on, and if it has to live on, then these people have to die. No, 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 no. We're not even going there. We need to talk about why this system even exists. We need to talk about having this system not exist. How about having that kind of a conversation? Because the one we got now, baby, it ain't working for everybody. It's only working for a very small few. Those very few are the ones having these ridiculous conversations. These false choices. These, th- these few are the ones putting up graphics on MSNBC while Joe Biden is stuttering and sputtering. While Nicole, you know, while Nicole Walsh is talking to him, these are the people who put up the graphics that have that side by side have the deaths of thousands of people with the with the Dow Jones directly juxtaposed right underneath it, next to it. That kind of stuff needs to change. Those kinds of choices need to change. That we're throwing numbers up there. It's a numbers game to people who have the power. I mean, that's what it is. It's a numbers game. We have to be honest about that. It's about numbers. 
two billion dollar aid package is is really is that going to be enough to meet the needs of the average person, the person who's less fortunate, the person who's living on the margins, the woman that can't really stay home because she's going to face a barrage of violence, especially now, especially now. I mean, I said this on Twitter yesterday again on my Twitter account at the popcorn reel at the popcorn r e e l. It's easy for me. I think I said it yesterday here. It's easy for me to sit here and say, "Hey, you know, stay at home." But there are people who can't do that. They are survivors of domestic violence who can't do that, and you can't exactly go out either because, for the obvious reasons, you're not supposed to mingle with people. That doesn't get that doesn't get discussed. Very, very not in the corporate news media. It doesn't. There's a lot for us to digest. A lot for us to ponder. And I hope that you've been keeping well. Under these circumstances, and I hope that you think about some of the things that I've been raising here. Be safe. Be well, and please stay inside. And tune in again tomorrow to another edition of the Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.